When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Sunday special episode of the U Up Podcast. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Jared Freed. Uh, we are so excited. We have a very special guest. You know him from Loveline, Celebrity Rehab, Teen Mom, and more of all the things. Dr. Drew, thank you for coming it's on. A pleasure to be here. It took a minute, but I finally got scheduled and I made it. We, finally. Yeah. I know. So I really, to I've, have been, you. I've been trying for a week, months to get in here. So, but thank you. <laughs> You've been knocking no. at the door. We're like, no, Drew, I you don't know. I have been. I absolutely have been. We're like, we can do it here. We can do it there. I'm like, oh, we got to get this done. Please, I want to get in. We're so excited to have you because I do think of this show, your show, Love Live. Yeah, yeah. It felt like, and I've been on your new podcast, After Dark. Uh, Dr. Drew After Dark. I was a guest on your show, had a great time. That's, by the way, we got to be sure to promote that that's go these this you're right this world would like after dark a lot yes they yeah. would love that show you yeah. get call-ins in the yeah. same kind of nature that we do emails here but yeah. but this, this is a but you're actually like an expert you're unlike, real live <laughs> expert us, yes right I mean, we're a couple idiots talking really, out of our ass you know what <laughs> there really is no such thing as a relationship expert really okay. i mean there are people that do relational therapies mm -hmm. and they're expert but they didn't, may not know shit about dating or really what young people are experiencing, you know? So it's weird to me when people present themselves as relationship experts. I don't right. think such a thing really exists. So I you guys I, are as expert as anybody. Well, we, we say, we always try to say, like, there's no experts, but we're just talking from our own point of view. And that's important. And it's a commiseration, so to speak, you know, because <laughs> right. dating can be hard for a lot of people and lonely. Yeah, and let me mention one other thing before I forget, because my wife would kill me if I didn't. Uh, Dr. Drew.tv, I do a streaming show Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 3 o'clock Pacific time that she produces produces where i've been interviewing a lot of really interesting people that have been silenced during the covid pandemic so okay got to interview rfk jr a couple times jay Bhattacharya a couple times guys like that anyway a little different audience different thing but if you're interested check it out i'm done there you go now what do we, now to see the dating world you yeah. were on love line for all these years yes and then i always say to people i'm like we're doing love line but f with the interaction with technology y yes now do you see the world now of dating and relationships and think this is so different than before? Or, you know, you have kids that are college age. You know, how old are your kids? 30. 30 college <laughs> age. What the fuck am I talking about? People graduate. You have older kids that are, that are yeah. dating. Yeah, they've graduated long ago. But they're in the dating <laughs> yeah. world themselves. They yes. must come to you. and A couple of them are, yeah. Yep. And they don't come to you for anything. But Because no. I'm just dad after all. So it's the last thing that would happen, I think. But... And my daughter occasionally does, now that I think about it. She's now in recovery. She's been in recovery for a couple, couple of years, and so I've been helping her with that. I know a lot about that process. And mm. so now she does come to me as a resource. Right. Well, it says here you're an addictionologist. Yeah, that's one of the things I do. So I, what what is that exactly? So I'm an internist. I did hospital intensive care medicine for years back when a general internist can do that. I did outpatient. I still do outpatient medicine. 
But along the way, I started working at a psychiatric hospital and ended up, ended up in 1991 taking over their uh, addiction services and ran that program for over 20 years. And so I've been seen, seen everything on that front, too, as it pertains to treating and managing the addictive diseases. But uh, all along, I was doing radio and doing Loveline all those many, many, many years. Started that in 1983, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And so, yes, to your question... It has changed a ton, right? A lot, and I've been born witness to all of it. The people are still the same, but the context of everything is just so different. I'm sure. Well, I have a question about, um, you know, in addiction. I, I'm not that familiar with the world of addiction, but I do know mm. that there is a rule usually when you're like recovering that you're not supposed to date anyone mm. for. I think it's a year. A year. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because typically. And my, my daughter struggled with that one a little bit. And uh, and now that she's out a year and a half, she's like, oh, I see now. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you, when you get in a romantic attachment and you're trying to grow and build, I mean, people in re early recovery change a lot and they have to change a lot. It's part of their process. And when you're changing, particularly your emotional landscape is changing and you're in a romantic attachment with somebody, it's hard to change because the, there's a fittedness in romantic attachments, right? Mm -hmm. They really, I mean, I, I used to joke, but it's sort of true that an attraction is the sickest part of one person responding to the sickest part of another person. <laughs> right. And addicts have a lot of sickness to kind of get through to, to grow, to be autonomous and be able to manage their addiction. And so in that first year, you can date you and you can hook up, but you, you can't get that closeness because you, it'll break up. It'll break up or the other person will hold you as who you are when they first got involved with you. Okay. And you have to change so damn much. It's just not, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It just I doesn't see. Work. See, I would think that it would be, a part of it would be hard to like look at someone who you're getting close to and go, well, now I'm different this week than I was last week. It almost adds like another hurdle to jump over. You know, in building change. any kind of relationship. That's right. Relationships are hard enough right. with that. Plus, the you know, to that point about relationships being hard, early in recovery, like meaning the first three to five years, what typically takes an addict back in their disease is a relationship. Relationship, like I said, it's it's where all of our stuff manifests. Whatever shit we got, it's it's coming out there. I, I in fact, when I started doing Loveline way back, you know, I was just doing general medicine at the time, and I was astonished how you could really see people's pathology come out in a interpersonal relationship. That's where that's who we're attracted to, how we manage the relationship, how we're attached in the relationship, how crazy we get or don't get or whatever. That's all us and it comes to bear in the interpersonal context right what? well that seems like almost uh, a manifestation of what you know we traditionally think of as like a toxic relationship but it does but i but you're way. but we all have stuff you know it, it, and it all comes out in relationships right. i mean you know very few people are just strictly speaking super healthy i mean where nothing interesting happens in an interpersonal context it's hard now i i was wondering about this because we're talking about addiction mm. How, you don't hear about people being an openly addicted to dating apps. It happens. You know, it will, it's but, sort of this, there's love addiction and sex addiction, right? Yeah. And that's where they act it out. In fact, you know, when we treat that stuff, we have to clean their electronic instruments out. We have to make sure they're not watching porn, make sure they're not, you know, doing whatever, you know, hooking up with people. We have to go after that. What stuff. would you define as a love? Yeah. What addict? is the difference between like a love addiction and so, a sex addiction? Love addiction. You know, these are these are not uh, technical diagnoses, right? They're constructs that allow us to help people that have these behaviors that they want to change. 
And love addiction is really kind of codependency, right? It's okay. it's getting sucked into things too quickly, and in relationships you probably shouldn't be in, or you know better than, and yet you're over, you're just all the way in very quick, and you you just you you know you get the craziness comes, right? You get freaked out if they leave, and you they cheat yeah. all the the back and forth that people get into in codependent relationships. And you do it again and again and again and again and again. Uh, and for for women, uh, when they do develop sex addiction, it usually comes in through love addiction. So they can't get what they need from the relationship, so they start trying to get what they can from the sex. That's going to give them their closeness that they're looking for. And uh, that doesn't work either, of course, but then they get stuck in that cycle of feeling bad and then trying to get it filled with the sex. The men go straight to the sex addiction, typically. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and if you're an addict, you know, they're very prone to that stuff. Uh, you know, it's just, again, you're, you're compulsively acting out sexually in ways that you don't want to, and yet you keep doing it. But we get an email all the time where it's like, I'm a young woman dating a guy, and then all of a sudden he's not deleted the apps yet, or I see him on there, and we're yeah, we're those dating. Are red flags. That was well, that was don't ignore my that. That's that, a red flag. But that was my question. Like, what is the difference between like an anxious dater, someone with an anxious attachment, or someone who's just generally anxious dating, mm -hmm. and someone with a love addiction? It, it really is the repetition that okay. that they can't change their patterns, uh, and that they really want to change the patterns, right? We all have some of this stuff, right? Yeah. And, and particularly when we're adolescent, right? That's sort of where that stuff kind of typically comes. People kind of are familiar with it, their first love or their first kind of thing in, in with relationships. These kinds of phenomenon come in very, very frequently. But normally as you mature, the, that kind of settles down a little bit and you don't get so boundaryless in your relationship. Really, it's about being having decent boundaries and right. between self and other. Have, oh. you in, have you encountered men with love addictions oh, or are sure. they just oh, yeah. in the oh, no, no, sex yeah. category? <laughs> Why no, no, do no, I keep getting pointed at yeah. <laughs> every time a sex addiction <laughs> comes up? Yeah, yeah, just, just this like, guy. Like, that. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, men get it too, for sure. Okay. For sure. Men get hurt. Men get really wounded when they're in that kind of pattern. They're they're very they're very fragile inside with that stuff. What do you mean? Like expand on that. If they're one of these, you know, men will kind of shut themselves off oftentimes to those kinds of intimate connections that feel like deep, profound love, even when sometimes they're not. But we just sort of we we stay up in the surface sometimes because we're tender on the inside. Mm. It's just one of the things about men. They're very. I mean, I we always say that to women. I'm tender on the inside. <laughs> Touch me there. You don't want to let anyone in. Right. That's yeah. You're afraid you'll get hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That is. Do you think it's that's, that simple. Do you think that's like a big real reason why a lot of men, you know, play the, these games or it's seemingly so or the, you know, the fuck boy culture? I'm not sure if you're no, familiar they, with that. Yeah, I'm a little bit. They, they, uh, um, <laughs> they, no, that's what that's all they want. Yeah. They, they they don't want anything else. That's why they do it. And women sometimes go, how, how is that possible? It's like, no, that's what they want. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so that's just, they stay right there. Now, ultimately, it depends how deep into that they get. I mean, the one thing that all the sex addicts I've ever treated say to me, without exception, is I just want to have a relationship. So They all say it. They all say okay. it. Uh, by the time they come to treatment, anyway, they just they know that their intimacy, they have an intimacy disorder, and they can't they can't tolerate it. They, they sabotage it. They, right. you know, pick the wrong person, all kind of stuff. And uh, if you're a fuckboy, so to speak, uh, you know, great, good on you, uh, but eventually people get tired of that, typically healthy people. Yeah. I was thinking about it the other day, like, you know, first dates are easy, you know, to get through. You know, you can be whatever you want. You know, it's the fifth date 
where you got to like be the real you and that's well, where difficult decisions come in where yes. I got to make a plan with someone I got to I'm I'm kind of held that's responsible when, for right someone. that's when you either get weird and ambivalent or ghost somebody ghost you just because you have to deal with difficult stuff well because you're actually moving on in then it's like you're right. getting into something and you know i don't know if that's what i want or not i'm ambivalent no this dating app there's something here why don't i just do that this next shiny object it's hard today yeah it's hard well i think a lot of men that i've encountered or that i've um spoken to seem to get into this thing where when they get to the fifth date or they get to a certain thing and then they see they, they find flaws in the person they're dating and then they sort of re- keep replaying them yeah. until they need to get out. Like, I feel like they're being like suffocated or like, oh, yeah. someone something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And why is that so common? I don't really. How old a person the, are you talking about? Well, the oh, someone something, I definitely get. I, I, I mean, get my, myself, I yeah. get. When I was a kid. Right, yeah. I get into like uh, me now, you know, where I go third date, I'm gonna, you know, now, you know. In fact, you start to feel guilty and ashamed and stuff if you if you or just if you're not having those feelings, right? Right. Because you feel like you're just using people or, or being too exploitative or superficial. Right. So it's a not a good feeling. Right, because we do get emails where it's like, it is funny because it's like being like the straight male voice here where it's like a woman will write in, I had my, you know, my my phase, I'm out there hooking up and everything was great. Now, and everyone's like, woo, go get it. Yeah, and then yeah. they're like, I'm done with that. And then they're like, and now they're settled in, I'm looking for something real. And there's see, that's the pattern. It's very common. But then from the male side, it's like if I was like, I'm out there, I'm just fucking, you know, there's no choir of people get yours and, you know, like, uh, you know, have fun. And then it's yeah. like, then you get into this dating mode where it's like, okay, well, if you've gotten past date four, the only, you know, the only answer to uh, this didn't work out as well. You were just leading me along. Right. Something, you're bad. Well, that you're, right. bad you're bad because person. it you're didn't work out. You're toxically masculine. So this is the stuff that I'm hearing a lot more of these days. Where And I think you and I talked about this a little when bit. you were on After Dark. It is uh, that men are, <laughs> in particular, how old are you again? 38. Yeah, particularly guys a little younger than you, mm. uh, are f- fearful of being seen as toxic fearful of being uh sort of I, I mean they went to college during all the rape accusations and stuff and they god they don't want to be associated with that uh they're afraid to date a woman when they're using alcohol because somebody might accuse them of something so there's a lot of anxiety and ambivalence in men of, of being seen as this thing that they you know don't want to be and yet how do you avoid that and well, how do you you know it's it's really a hard navigation and then and then even more difficult for them because they're sort of then they just withdraw into pornography and things or prostitutes first time i've heard that i think we talked about that i'm hearing more of that for the first time ever that they're just withdra- yeah they're just withdrawing like i'm too they're too it's too difficult i i don't want to be seen as a bad person and and they just withdraw altogether and then they don't learn the skill this is a skill dating it's a it's thing you have to sort of know how to navigate and you know be honest with people and know who you want to spend time with and how to spend time with them is the issue that like that their tendency is to treat women poorly because I'm kind of like, what is the big fear with like interacting with women and speaking to women and dating women and just 
They're like confused. Being, They're just confused. Just being like a, a nice, normal member what, of society. What, but you're hearing it, right? You're hearing it right here, which is that right. by, by the fifth date, maybe yeah. you've had sex even along the way, and they're like, oh, shit, this isn't what I really want. What right. do I do? I'm, I'm one of those guys. Oh, right. no. I, 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 yeah. I, I do understand there's someone listening right now going, boo fucking who? Yeah. You piece of shit. I, I listen. I let me acknowledge. That was gonna be my next line. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> listen, I, I acknowledge that 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 that. But that response gets us nowhere. I and I I understand Correct. where you're coming from, yeah. Doctor Drew, because there is again the idea of like you know uh, rape accusation and alcohol. Like that's even in an extreme way. I think like but it's it's not though for younger guys. They they were reared on that's who they that's who they are as a man. Then they mm. don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess I get in the zone of like, what do I not want to be? I don't want to be the, oh, this guy we dated and led me on. Led me on. Right. It's the same and, zone. And it's it's a, all it's the a same similar stuff. anxiety yeah. zone. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I guess I think, but as you get older and you seem to have improved a lot about this and just like part of, I think, growing up is just not, you know, saying things that you don't mean, saying the, things the, that you do mean. Yes. And not saying things that you think the person wants to hear because I think that's what gets you in trouble. If you're on a third date and you're like, I can't wait for you to meet my parents and then you break and then you have sex with them and then you break up with them the next day. Yeah, you're kind of painted as a... You're going to be considered a piece of shit. But but, but the younger man... So so is a good therapist friend of me, friend of mine pointed out. He goes, look, she actually said, she goes, look, uh, men want to have sex. If a relationship happens, great. When, when, women want, typically want to have a relationship. If sex happens, great. Yes. And so, and the younger man, like, really, really, really want to have sex. <laughs> they really, they really, some of them are quite desperate to do so. And uh, so they may say things that they think they mean, but right. they, but they're, you know, under this, under the sway of a motivational system that's well, affecting them. I guess if you back away from all of it completely, what Jordana just said, like that, those are the skills that you need to learn. Well, like, you know what it boils down to, and you're absolutely correct, Jordana, which is honesty. Yeah. That's the honesty. The problem is, though, it, it, when you're young, it's hard. It's hard to know yeah. exactly what you're feeling and what you're saying. That's why when you get older, that doesn't happen so much because you do know yourself. You do. You are right. more mm-hmm. courageous, so to speak, in a interpersonal context, but you also have skill. Right. And if you don't do it a lot, you don't develop that skill. I, I, like I used to love dating. I loved it. A lot of people hate it. I thought it was a great, the best right. time. Hang out with somebody you're attracted to. I mean, that's all. I, that's how I looked at it. I'm just hanging out with the, somebody I want to spend time with. Not enough people look at it that way. Right. right. They look at it as goal directed. I got to have a relationship, or I got to have sex, or I got to have something. Yeah. You, you you can actually learn about yourself and other people and what you want and what you're attracted to by just hang. Just ask somebody. Just make an effort to, to ask and spend time with uh, people. Also, more, some so dishonesty. Some dishonesty is more dangerous than others. Uh-oh. Right. Well, the the dishonesty of like, hey, I like you, I want to be in a relationship. Oh, never mind. Yeah, but some of is more people, dangerous than hey, hey, I want to be in a relationship. Uh, you know, I, I want to be casual, and then yes. oh, never mind, I want a relationship. Right. Yeah, right. But in some, you may not have been lying when you said one of those things. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the hard part. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's a two-pronged approach, right? I think it's one, like you said, men get older, they learn to be more careful with, with their words and not just saying things that they think They just have a hear. skill and they're present and they know themselves and, and their testosterone lowers a little bit. And, right, that also <laughs> helps. It does really but does then, help. On the other side, I think what, what this show does a lot for, I mean, we have a mostly female base, but also we have some men too. But I think for the women, it's just teaching them how to be a better consumer of men. 
So, like, you so know. tell me about what's going on. I've noticed women, this was never a thing. Uh, there's sort of two things that I've noticed lately that are so vastly different from, say, the 80s when I was dating. One was we had a lot of fun. It was an emphasis on fun. We just right. had a good time. And fun right. and dating was part of having fun. Sex was part of having fun. Yeah. People enjoyed themselves. It all seems very uptight and serious now. That's one one side. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, and and then younger women dating older men. That's astonishing to me. That's weird. I get the mo- I get why, sort of on paper why, but it's still astonishing to me. Well, I think the less fun thing, I think that's because we added structure. You know, there was no, the dating app adds a structure. We would have had more fun with that. I don't think you would have. Oh, I think, I think if would've. you're on a dating app we, and you say there's a lie inherent, like I'm here to date, and then yeah. it turns into something. When you go on the first date from a dating app, it is way more an acting job than, hey, I met someone through a bar and I had, yeah. you know, you have already gone through so many different reviews of who right. they are that you've they've checked off 17 boxes and now they have we've made it to date yeah. one. It, I, I don't know. Right. It adds this like box onto it that you now are on the box trail Mm. first date second date third date fuck you know like whereas like meeting like everyone feels better i think meeting i don't know if you call i'm seeing her out of the corner of my eyes she looked at me like is that okay third (laughs) third date fuck is that right (laughs) is is that what is that is that is you are you gonna sign off she looked at me like are you gonna sign off on that is that that okay but that's not uncommon (laughs) well i'm just saying like i think that you know when there's um when there's ambivalence, you know, not ambivalence. There's when there's when it's not as structured, you now get to have an unstructured hang. I think that helps. But there was not as much hanging either. There was a lot of like, hey, let's, let's go I'll on meet a you. date. Yeah. You, yeah. me, let's a lot go. Of dating. Yeah. Right. A lot, there was the whole hookup thing was getting going. Right. Uh, and it really took full bloom in the 90s. But in the 80s, it was let's hang out, let's go on a date. I think it's because it's, it's so much easier to get a date that you can feel maybe like more dispensable on the date. Like you can, because it's, you know, if if there's this feeling of I'm disposable, the other, the next person's just a swipe away. And so that's new. Right. Yeah. So then I think people kind of feel like, okay, I want to get out of this because I don't feel like good about myself when I'm doing it. Whereas that or, or the market is coming to bear. Like what's, what else is out there? You know? Right. And it's easier for someone to find out what else is out there as opposed to in the eighties, like, you only really knew the people that you came into contact you, with. You only had the things in front of your eyes. That right. Was it. Yeah. Right. And I guess there's an element of feeling special. This moment is special. Whereas, you know, when with there's... the date back then. Back then. Right. You, there was a... There was more... I, this, I've learned something about women's motivational systems that I never knew. And it was a really... Christina P., Tom Segura's wife, pointed this mm-hmm. out to me. And I thought, oh, that is a really interesting insight. That the being chosen for a female is has a, its yes. own sort of thing to it. Men, we don't have that. <laughs> That's why you like the apps more. We're, yeah. we're sort of surprised yeah. when we get chosen. That's about all we feel when right. we get chosen. Like what? Me? It's like, yeah. But right. women have no, a, a great, it's a special a thing. Yeah. And so if I was hanging you for five minutes, said, "How about dinner tonight?" That motive activates that. Adrenaline. That yeah. activates that right. system. Yes. Uh, but being chosen on an app, I don't imagine does as much of that, right? Yeah, and I think that's why women don't like to make the first move or or pursue someone. It doesn't feel as good. It doesn't feel as exciting. Isn't that interesting? It's such a right. subtle thing, but we mm-hmm. don't talk about these things. Well, and you also know it too. Like I know on a dating app, if I get that match and we're talking, 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 and then it's like I can feel the clock behind me of when. Are you going to ask? Right. Are you going to make the move? Make a move here. If you well, can't do it here, 
you wouldn't have done it in person, you know, like you're automatically just this like, you know, loser. And I also I also think men get more excited when they've done the pursuing, though, right. too. Like, I mean, we've we, talked about this with you, with people sliding into your DMs and you, sometimes you go out with them and you never re- never really there's seems a, there's like a, you're that excited. Th- that right. is a double edged phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. Because fundamentally, correct me if I'm wrong, sure. we are lazy. Okay. And, yeah. and having somebody <laughs> choose us who we like really would choose now we're good the problem is when somebody chooses us who we're not really maybe would not have chosen right we have no idea what to do we don't even know what to do right we just get confused and sort of like well they chose me so maybe something's here i should try i mean you get weird as a well that's a good point because you know dm slides no matter who it is there is a thing in me where i go jared you, why wouldn't you why not? Someone's coming to your, right. like, you're See, told your whole life, talk to her, talk to her, talk to her. Then someone comes to you and you're like. But what if it really was somebody like, oh, my God. I I, I would pursue it. I would you'd pursue, be in. You'd I'd be, be all in. the way in. But you'd be I, all the way in right. and you'd be delighted. Right. It's the on the fence part where you're like, I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> I, I can't. Well, this. it's also like I'm I'm not hungry, but I. You know, still got to eat because I'll be hungry again. Like, you've just, a f- I, I feel you. I'm sitting next to you, so I feel all your emotions. <laughs> oh. But but he is telling you something right. true. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's, I, this I've is what you have. I've heard it. Yeah. yeah I've heard he's it. Right from knows. Yeah. I'm inside <laughs> the mind but, but of a murderer, but, like but I have to say. <laughs> but I felt your body react to yeah. it. And it's a disappointment right. to really understand how men operate in terms of our motivational systems. Right. You, it's, we're, it's so simple. It's so simple, mm-hmm. and things like hunger or evacuation or whatever those are the those are the things we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of motivations, and then when something deeper happens, it's much much better for us. We're of yeah. course very very happy, but it's that's what's up front. Well, I, I just think it's hard for like a woman of you know of the time that we're living in, where you get all these messages, especially career wise, especially these days. Pursue what you know, go after things, pursue mm-hmm. things, get what you want, mm-hmm. make the life you want. Sure, but when it comes to men. Don't like, don't approach anyone because that that's gonna be like a turnoff. No, no, it's not a turnoff. No, most men appreciate it. Or you might get into trouble because you know someone who was not interested in you could see you. You could, but it's. I would argue it's worth the risk. You think it's worth? I I was just giving. I I was just giving information so women know Mm -hmm. what they're dealing with when they do that. Well, that's kind of why when 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 I like, I I always feel like people don't listen when we give this advice. But like when I'm like, (laughs) but when you give a DM slide, you know, put the guy in a position. To give you an answer, like be honest. You know, I'd like a great question. Would be honest with me. If I'd come up on your dating app, would you have? What is it? Swipe right? Is what's the? Worst? I would even uh, right. Would right. anyone say say uh, no? <laughs> well, they, but they, they, the point is, they sh- if they're honest, they would right. go. You know, you didn't immediately strike me as my type. I'm not sure. See, I would even go further. I would put them in an actionable position that tells you that answer without having them having to say it. I don't think people are that strong to be that honest. Okay. So they the would, actionable position. Hey, here's my number. I'm down to go out for drinks next week. You give me a time and a place, I'm down. So you're asking them, you're inviting them to do the work. Do the work. Right. Make the house. I will live in it. If you build, here's the hammer, here's the nails, here's that the wood. That is how lazy we are. That's how lazy that we are. But, but again, like, because if I'm think, told that. I think think lazy is a really good sort of approach. Just right. we, we are fun. We are. We, we get tired of pursuing and we're, we're hurt many times right. by it. If someone messaged me, hey, I think you're cute. I go masturbate falsely. 
<laughs> that's that's I mean, the answer, I though. Think, I'm not going to build the house. I think that's the fundamental difference. Like, I don't think many women would be <coughs> falsely. interested no. in going out um, or just sleeping with having someone message them. And they'll be like, well, I would sleep with them, but I wouldn't date them. So I'll go out with them. Most women are not doing that. Right. Correct. Right, yeah, but, 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 they're the doing way, that because they see a, a resume. But you're, Dana, they, you're yes. saying something honest that they're being sold a bill of goods that they're supposed to do what he's talking about. Right, and, and it just is not the same motivational system. It's not the same landscape for a, most females. Some can do it and they're great with it. Fine, yeah. good for them, but not the vast majority. I and mean, I agree with you. I don't think they shouldn't do it, but I think if the, if you do do it, you need to know how to you need to know how to read the situation that's much better than men do. That's why yeah. we're trying to be honest about well, this. this is, try to give them all the information they have. Do not deny what we're you're hearing today. Right. right. That's the part cuz it's so disappointing. If you're going to go you kill how we are, it just it's going to it's like, "Oh, really? Are they like that?" Right. Yeah, isn't it just him? It well, just one? The, the, that you was always understand the enemy to beat the enemy. Right. right? Well, that's yes. what, the most annoying friends of mine would always go Oh, that's just you. And I'm like, okay, no. don't believe me. I'm like, no. we're telling you there's a bear out there. And here's sh- how bears operate. And here's a gun <laughs> instead of a spear. Yeah. Right. You know, you're going to want to use the gun, not the spear. And you're not, not going to go, oh, well, that's that bear. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, right. how bears <laughs> work. That's how they work. <laughs> right. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Fenty Beauty, Levi's, Adidas, and so much more. Seriously, the list seems endless. Rakuten is how the -the in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. Personally, I'll be shopping for beauty and apparel. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. You know I love to find the best deals while I'm shopping. And trust me, Rakuten is the hack to save money while shopping. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members can earn cash back on everything they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category like beauty, clothing, electronics, travel, and dining. And this week only, you're going to get the best deals ever. Membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you can get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Skims, and with warmer weather coming up, I recently tried out one of their t-shirts. Skims makes the best basics and foundations, so it's no surprise that it's the best-fitting tee I've ever worn. Finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge, whether it's the fit or the quality, but with Skims, they make the most flattering shirts for everyone. Honestly, I love pretty much everything Skims makes, but I really love their t-shirts. They're like form-fitting, and they make my body just look that much smoother. I have the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt in Onyx. It has amazing versatility. It is literally a must-have for a spring wardrobe. They're stretchy, they're flattering. You can dress it up or dress it down and you don't have to worry about compromising style or comfort. I also have the cotton jersey t-shirt in marble and it's really just changed the game for me. It's taking the regular t-shirt, it's leveling it up. There's no stretched collars or hems and it literally fits like a dream. Skims t-shirts are made with innovative technology while always keeping style and comfort in mind. From crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, Skims has something for every fit and every body. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes extra extra small to 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know i sent you after you place your order select podcast in the survey and select you up in the drop down menu that follows when it comes to the plant-based eating debate there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy 
Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. So I, I, we have an email here to go over. Yeah, let's do, let's do it. Uh, we're so pumped that Dr. Drew is here. Um, this is so cool. We I always said it. The prelude to you up was definitely love line having these open conversations, yeah. talking about things that are a little uncomfy a little to icky. talk about. Well, a little and icky. by yeah. the way, back then people don't realize that my motivation for doing that show was AIDS. Because okay. at the time, Anthony Fauci was beating on us young doctors to get out there and educate. We were going to have two million dead. He kept saying, two million dead if you don't get out there and talk about this. And so I went out. That's so interesting. I thought I thought Fauci was invented during the coronavirus. No, <laughs> like, he was my hero, for, he man, my hero for many, many, many years. <laughs> and so you know, I came on the show the very first night in 1983, and I was like, oh, my God, there's there's adolescents and young adults, young adults calling this show about their how much sex they're having, frankly, and they've not heard about this illness yet. We just started calling it AIDS. We were calling it GRIDS the year before. And GRIDS? Gay-related intestinal disease syndrome. Not and, as good a flow as AIDS. And and nobody knew. I was, I was shocked. I thought, oh my God, we have to keep coming back and talking about this. And right. so that was my original motivation. That little, And I, I wanted to create something that I would have wanted. I was 24 years old when I started, and I knew all this information was so easy and so digestible. And then it was hidden behind Latin terms and stuff. People were not taught it for right. no reason. Well, it must have been a weird time when you heard, heard of some sort of illness and you couldn't just Google it and find out all the information that one could ever Nothing. want to know. It, like it was really, all, it there was, was nowhere all to find hidden the info. with well, scary language, too. Good and bad to that, too, that you couldn't just Google and figure out your own way. Right. To, you know, <laughs> it's like it's good and bad. It is, it is good and bad, but, <laughs> yeah. it's, but it's better. It's right. Better. Yeah. And, and, you know, then everything had Latin or name, venereal diseases and stuff. It was just very odd. It was scary. And I was like, hey, this stuff's easy. Just, but there is one 24, thing you 24, Doogie Howser? How 24 I you were? I was going into fourth year medical school. And you were, and who says to you, get on the radio? Oh, it's a long story. But uh, you, you, anybody from Los Angeles? So in the 80s, so in the 70s, the dominant radio stations were KLOS, KMET. And uh, everyone kind of got bored with them into the as the 80s hit. And then the new wave came. And mm. new wave, you know, this was Culture Club and Haircut 100 and all that stuff. Just laughing at a flock of seagulls. K-Rock was playing all this pirate music that no one had ever heard before. And overnight they became this huge, the dominant radio station in the dominant radio market in the country. And... It was 300 yards away from my apartment. Right. And so people I knew kind of were interacting with people at this radio station. 
And they had this late night show where they need to make it a community service show. And someone said, hey, Pinsky's a medical school. Maybe he can do. And they had a stupid idea. Like they were going to have, have me do a segment called Ask a Surgeon. They go, you'll use big words. It'll be really funny. I'm like, mm. I, what, the fuck, what the fuck are we doing? What, what am I, why are you asking me this? But I said, all right, I'll, I'll go out and check it out. And here were all these really important health questions, medical questions, being presented to FM disc jockeys in the middle of the night. And no one talking about HIV. We didn't have HIV yet. We were calling it HTLV3 at that point. You're in med school. Was there any fear that you would get? I mean, nowadays, everything's so litigious that mm. I would be like, oh, I don't have my accreditation. I'm not, yeah, it's, you know. It's, well, you have insurance for that. No? Yeah, right. But yeah. it's actually, you kind of do and you kind of don't. I was naive. I mm. was just, I thought I was in community service. Uh, it, it's actually, you know, the liability gets greater as you actually do have more credentialing, frankly, mm. uh, because you're expected to maintain a certain standard. Uh, and malpractice doesn't really cover it, which I didn't realize. Yet at that point in history, it was understood to be educational. And so there was no treatment alliance implied. And so you were just educating. And right. so there wasn't wasn't much liability associated with that. What kind of surgeon were you? I, I was, I'm, I'm an internist. Okay. I, I did intensive care Sorry. medicine and general medicine. Still do outpatient general medicine. Okay. But I then I went to that psychiatric hospital. I was doing inpatient, outpatient, mm -hmm. intensive care medicine, and then running the medical services at the psychiatric hospital, and then doing the addiction services after that, and uh, sort of stopped doing the hospital medical stuff, just doing outpatient medicine and addiction medicine. And then about 10 years ago, I stopped running a big program in addiction medicine. Oh. Still do plenty of addiction medicine, though. See, I think you do like a service to make it like a more edible thing. Like it's it's got to be, you get negative feedback a little bit here and there. Does it frustrate you that like someone would say like, oh, this is, everything has, you know, like the, I'm doing this because this is good. Like we do this show because we like talking about the subject and we yeah. like talking about the icky things with dating. We also do this show because we're paid to do it yeah. and we think there's a market for it. Yeah. Do you? Do you get frustrated when someone, you know, the internet, obviously, like when they can't see the, you know, the grayness of all things, you know, that you're well, doing a service way, in the same way? In the way. weird way, social media has done me a favor. It's made me very accustomed to just massive abuse <laughs> coming Opinions, my way right. day in and day out. Everyone's opinion. And Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you sort of learn that people are just, they don't, they don't even think about it. They even really understand what's going on. It's, it's like, okay, you have an opinion. Okay. Right. And right. you just become callous, you, you to just, it, I guess. Well, you just try to keep your compass right. You kind of keep doing what's right. Mm. Right. And yeah, if I can get paid for it, sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like this I'll is take a job. the abuse. Everyone has a price. Yeah. Right? Well, no, it's like this. There's you do jobs, and yeah. they do jobs, and I do jobs, and there. This sometimes you get paid for, it, sometimes you don't. Right. I did Love Line for ten years for free. For free. Mm, for, absolutely wow. for free. I thought I was doing community service. Okay. And then at the end, when it was sort of dialing down, I did it for about seven or eight years for essentially free because I wanted to keep everybody employed. I wanted them to have their jobs. I had a lot of people kind of working on the, on the thing then. And uh, I was like, ah, just, I'll keep doing it. It's okay. You know, would you get recognized at the hospital? Would they be like, you're the guy? Well, I remember I used, didn't use my last name and I did that because oh. I didn't want to be seen as promoting myself. That's interesting. And uh, I remember when one of my interns, when I was a chief resident, one of my interns found out I was that guy and he, he just he freaked out. He couldn't get over it. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been, and how long have you been married for? 32 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how did you guys meet? Not on the X. Radio. Radio. No radio. <laughs> oh, you went on the radio? Really? She was running a, she won a fat bikini contest they had there. And then she oh, ended wow. up, well, then okay. she ended up working in their promotion department <laughs> and running all their models and stuff like that. And just, I, I, so you didn't I, meet her on the radio, but she worked at the radio She station. actually came on the show. Uh, and that was where it really, like, I was struck by her. 
Wow. I had a weird, and it turns out I'd been struck once before and met her two years before and had this, the French called coup de foudre. I just was like lightning strike, which has never happened to me before or since. Oh, wow. Happened twice with her. And in both times, I felt compelled to talk to her or give her my number or something. I just, I just had to do it. And, and uh, eventually she What called. was your first date? Laguna Beach restaurant there that we... Uh, you were like, let's go on a date. Here's my number. How did it work she, out? She, she, um, we, we were on and off for a few years. We, we were, you know, 20s, man. People in their 20s just treat each other like shit. We had to, we had to kind of come to terms with that. And, we or you? Both of us. Both of us. Yeah. She's in bikini contests she, all over town. And you're a big radio guy. She only remembered my... Partic- my problems. I remember okay. her problems. But anyway, it, you know, we, we, I finally said, "Look, in your twenties, you just don't." I was an idiot, and that's that's that. Um, uh, she, we went. Up, I, so she was on the show. She says, "I said, here's the love. My, you're the love of my life," which I don't remember saying, but I can imagine I would have said something like that. My, I, I thought I was being very coy. <laughs> and, she wrote and, it down. Big and, time. Uh, and when she went out to the car at the end of the show. I said, look, I, I know you have a boyfriend. I would not do this, but I just just take my number. Just please, I just feel like oh, I have she had to a give boyfriend. Your okay. Yeah, I, I just you have to just take it if something happens there. What a dopamine rush that is! Yeah, uh, I know I you mean, got a guy, but I got to have you. I, I, and I was like, I felt bad about it. Actually, I don't like being that guy. Um, and then I kind of let it go, and then okay. she called, and then we talked a little bit, and then we met at my favorite place in Laguna at the time. She break up with her boyfriend. She was in Newport Beach, where she kind of grew up. Uh, she had broken up at that point, but they were kind of that messy shit on that goes again. on. Okay. Yeah, uh, that went on for a while. So yeah, the truth oh, isn't no. isn't all clean and dandy. I like it's, it. it. I it like it. Real, it feels like very real. And what is your secret to being married this we long? We had sex on the first date. That was first very, date. That's the secret. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's for, for all the people, listeners well, out for there. People that say that, <laughs> well, for people who say that that's never good, it's just I'm sorry. It was yeah, I mean, not, I don't believe in that in like that rule or any rules. Of no, I think no. It worked for us. Right. Yeah. For us. And how's sex? Oh no! Well, that's one of the. <laughs> well, I thought things we were getting that, close. No, but listen, but that's one of the things that kind of bonded us up. I mean, that's, yeah. that's an important part of a relationship, and right. for us, it was a very significant piece, and remains right. so to this day. Uh, you know, if the kids are listening, they, they're used to us talking about our shit on After Dark and stuff. She comes on After Dark. And oh, does, really? And t- talks about it, and uh, it's it's almost embarrassing how into each other we are. But that was there from the beginning right and so i would argue that if you can find that kind of now often the problem is oftentimes that's craziness on craziness right that's often sometimes the most sometimes that's sometimes that's from the worst part of us and the worst part of the other person fortunately we were crazy enough that we could work it through but not so crazy that it was just that and so yeah we had ons and off and this and that and back and forth and I did years and years of therapy. She did therapy, and it just and now it's a significant glue in the relationship. Okay, and and it, everything works. You know, they were very happy. And I, the way I say it to married couples is, is look, if you're as happy today as you were yesterday, the probability is you're going to be that kind of happy tomorrow, also. And so it's like Alcoholics Anonymous, one day at a time. Right, one, one day, day at a time. time. There I it like is. That. Who doesn't want to get married now? Comparing it to alcohol. Well, that's too, the other it's thing. too late for me, Jared. You're out. Yeah, but that's the other thing. People not getting married is awful. I, I by the way, we, 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 you know, my generation sort of invented that. And not I not getting Yes. Okay. Or delaying it and all that. And, and I thought, we had, we had, and I was not alone in this thinking, that you had your fun and then you got married and then you died. 
that was right. sort of how we saw marriage. Right. Like that was sort of the end. And uh, I'm here to tell you, it, it was astonishing to me on the altar uh, how elevating it was to make a commitment in front of God and everybody and how into it I was up there. I was shocked I, that it was so... I was Do you think shocked. that's very male? Because we've be talked like about this before, this idea of like, you know, guys being dragged to wherever the next step is and then yeah. getting there and going, oh, it's right, pretty I'm good. In. Now, no, I'm no, now I'm in. Now I'm in. Now I'm in. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yes, I well, was I found reluctant. that with my husband too. I felt like he was like, you know, I was the one who was trying to like move things yes, forward faster yes. and faster. She was the same with But the then mind. once I, you know, once I got him, he was uh, like it was fully a, in. It was yeah. weird. It was, I'm sure he must have experienced what I experienced, mm. which is that you just don't know you, as a male, I guess you don't appreciate what that is. You don't know right. that transcendent thing that you can achieve with somebody else. And, uh, and it's just there. It's just been there ever since. And so for people to miss that, I think is an awful thing. It's mm-hmm. sad. And certainly... In terms of again, talk about glue and relationship, and you know, child rearing environments that are healthy. You need all that. Right. You need that kind of stability. Right. Well, it's funny you say that. That in your day, you feel like it was, you know, you you had fun, and then you got married, and then you died. That was it. Now I feel like <laughs> That's it's, how we saw it. The, the the consensus seems to be like you have fun, you get married, you have kids, and then you die. Like that's when all the fun ends. Yeah. To be right. well, that's right. correct. But. <laughs> You're like we've got it right. Well, okay. Why? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Here's the news. Here's the interesting part. I will I will shed some light on that part. It, it, it is things hit a nader during childbearing years. That's statistically true. What's a nader? A bottom of happiness. Okay. The bottom. Okay. The, things, <laughs> the opposite low. of the peak. Yeah. Okay. The, literally the opposite of the peak. Okay. What uh, year? What year of the kids? It's, like it's it? somewhere in late childhood and then again in adolescence. Those are the two you can imagine, right? Okay. Those are the two down periods. If you have what we have which is I wish for everybody, it sounds like you guys have too, uh, Jordana, is uh, it, it's all there when they go away. <laughs> and okay. it's so fun. It's so great then. It's wonderful when they get when out. When they're gone. Yeah. Okay. Is, that, is that why <laughs> you see that? The best part about having kids is when they leave. <laughs> that's to get them out of here. <laughs> yes. Well, the happiness returns. Let's okay. put it that way. Well, we were like, oh my God, that's right. We really like each other. Holy funny. shit, it's fun. I guess you're busy with the kids stuff, the games, the schools. Everything. And, and, then, and money and uh, they can't, everything. It's just well, stressful. Well, we make it through it. Yeah, right. Stressful. I guess that's why people get divorced. Like when the kids are out of the house, they go, we're divorced. And they don't even get that chance to realize that. I guess that's what it is. I I don't know. Or, or, you know, a lot of people, when I see these divorces and things, you shouldn't settle. You should really be into the other person. That's what I tell my kids. I mean, there should be no doubt in your mind. This should be the kind of clarity you have about nothing else in life. Have clarity about the person you choose to build a family with. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There's no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So it's no big deal if you lose a button, spill something, or you just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. Get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. And you always have the option to buy what you love. 
for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code UUP20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code UUP20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's, with code UUP20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. You know that feeling when you're going on your first date with the person you've been seriously crushing on and realize you have absolutely nothing to wear? Maybe you find yourself wishing you had the perfect pair of jeans, the one you can fancy up, fancy down, and just look better every time you wear them. Well, that's why you need to check out Lee Denim. I love Lee Denim. I'm wearing them today in the office. I'm wearing their jeans. I love, they also have this other pair that I have at home that I'm really excited to wear. It's like a little baggier, but it's still so comfortable and yet it's still so flattering. I don't know how they do it. Every time you wash it, they also look even better. And I love that they flatter every body type. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their denim gets better with age and their classics fit into every look. Lee's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so people can own their style and feel good in their clothes. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com to shop spring looks now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Let's do an email. We, we, you want to read it? Here with Dr. Drew. I'll read the email. You okay. ready? J&J, let me get right to it. My boyfriend, 38 male, and I, 27 female, have been together for a little over a year and have lived together most of the time. Yes, I know we moved in very soon. On to the current issue. My boyfriend and I were recently on a hike and I noticed a circle-shaped container in his pants pocket. I figured it was a mint container, but I was going to make a joke about it looking like a dip container chewing tobacco. Before asking for a mint, or before asking for a mint. To my surprise, when I asked for the circle container was in a 
what the circle container was in his pocket. He got weird and said, don't worry about it. Oh, don't <laughs> make me worry when, about it. When your partner gets weird. That is never good. Right. Weird. Never good. Understandably, I then wor worried about it. And I laughed and said, that was weirdly cryptic. What do you mean? He continued being weird and said, it doesn't matter. Uh -oh. I was super confused. And when he turned around and said it was spitless tobacco, uh, apparently it's like chewing tobacco, but comes in a little pouch and doesn't make you need to spit. I kind of thought he may be joking and he's never mentioned using tobacco or nicotine products before. He's almost obsessive about living healthy and rarely even drinks. So this was very baffling. I asked how long he has been using tobacco, thinking maybe it was a very recent. He said about 15 years and he used to smoke before switching. Mm. He goes on to say it's been weighing on him to keep this from me, which all I heard was he doesn't—he didn't just happen to not bring it up. He actively hid it from me every day. I asked why on earth he would hide this for so long, and he said that once we uh, start, first started seeing each other, a friend of ours used chew tobacco, and I said it was gross. I remember that night, and I did, didn't give some speech about my hatred of tobacco. I literally just laughed and said, ew, that's gross. He continued on saying that when we went on a week-long vacation a few months ago, he didn't use it at all. I asked if that was because uh, there would have been no way for him to hide it, then, uh, hide it then, and he admitted that yes. I asked if he ever would have told me if I hadn't uh, hadn't happened to ask about the container in his pocket. He didn't say yes or no. Instead, he said he was been trying to quit while we've been seeing each other, so he really wasn't hiding anything. How long have they been together? A year. Yeah, this yeah. is weird. Um, together. So, what's her question? Let's get to it. If he had mentioned it at the beginning, <laughs> I wouldn't have stopped seeing War and Peace I mean, here. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would have made fun of him whenever he used to make it. Uh, now, since it's been this drawn-out secret he's been keeping, I don't really know how to handle it. Is his solution uh, to anything that might... What? Is his solution to anything that might upset me just to hide it and uh, hide it away and lie? Follow-up email a couple days. Look, she got, she's writing more. I asked today how often he uses the nicotine pouches, and he said constantly. <laughs> he went on to say that he basically had uh, has always had one in his mouth all the time. He would secretly remove it when we when we ever we got intimate. I remember times I have commented that he tasted funny during spontaneous intimate moments when he would shortly excuse himself to the bathroom. I also found out that his friends and some of our mutual friends and coworkers have known, and he specifically told them not to tell me. So it's literally just me that he decided to actively hide this from. I still can't understand why he decided to go through such lengths to hide it in the first place. I find it very embarrassing that my boyfriend has been telling me, uh, telling people to keep secrets from me. So red flag or deal breaker, your boyfriend has kept his nicotine habit a secret from you every day for the entire time you've been together. Sincerely addicted to your love. What do you think? What do you think? It's not a deal breaker. Okay. Uh, it's symptomatic of something that happens when men typically do this. They want to be seen in a certain way. They want to push things forward. They don't show some little flaw, and then it becomes fixed. Like, oh, and how am I going to ever reveal this, mm -hmm. right? And then, they be, then it gets in their head, and they're freaking out that if she knew this, she'd leave me. And in this case, and I'm sure it's what he convinced himself because she said she hates chewing tobacco mm -hmm. or whatever she said. Right. And so in, in his case, he went, I need to stop this. I want to stop this. I'm going to stop this, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to spend the energy of explaining this to her. I'm just going to stop. 
didn't go so easily is the problem. Right. I well, think I, it's, I, it's his nicotine addiction that's the problem. And the smokeless nicotine addiction is the worst. It's the worst of all. It's the most dip, most powerful one. Okay. They're the high concentrations. He's using a snooze. It's called. Those are. Re- I I took one of the. I tried that one of the one of those for a minute one time. My head almost came off. I wanted to throw up. Really, I couldn't believe it. And guys use it for appetite suppression sometimes too. But they are extremely addictive. And so the only way he's really going to get off if he switches to gum and lozenges and all this stuff, and he's probably tried to cold turkey, but he can't, and he can't do the lozenges and the and the gum because she's going to wonder why are you doing that all of a sudden. So he's on so, the f- highest form of it because it's the most easy to hide from her. Well, he thought he probably thought it was a lot easier to stop than he's now found out it is. Right. Well, I do. It's funny that you're speaking to like my being right now. The idea of like not going to buy. Bothering her is way more work than me just and, fixing and, this addiction. And it might ruin things. I don't want right. to ruin things. I like where this is going. Right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this terrible habit anyway. I mean, he's, he's deluded himself. I'm sure that all the self-talk was like, that's how addicts work. That's how any kind of addiction works. You start thinking, oh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be a better person for this person who I love now. And then it doesn't happen. But how, hasn't he now like broken this trust with her? Well, that's that she the problem. Can, okay, like, that's her. Now on her side, yeah. on her side, the question is, now you start thinking, what else is he lying about? What's going on here? Right. Blah, 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 blah. It's a mess. She, she gave us enough information that I really doubt that this is part of a global problem of him right. being a liar. It makes you wonder about that. She should bring it up to him. Why should I trust you about anything? This really crawls into question. You're, I mean, you went through an elaborate ruse here. I feel sort of taken advantage of or whatever she feels. She felt ashamed and embarrassed, Right. Uh, which is an interesting, interesting kind of... <laughs> way to feel about this but okay uh and uh and push it put it back on him See well it's like i got a mouse problem bring in the cat i got a cat problem bring in the bobcat well, I, well, I got a bobcat problem bring in some yeah. guns you know I mean, like he's clearly a adi- i feel like you know you're addicted when you're you're going to these kinds of lengths yes. to hide it from right. the person right. it's very right. addictive yeah. it, that oral the, the smokeless tobacco is tough Right. Thank God. I mean, it's terrible for you. You get hit neck cancers and stuff from it. It's bad. But your perspective on this is something that I never would have, like the idea of like, I do understand. I'll fix this. She'll never know the difference. Yeah. And then I don't, and then you go, okay, how am I going to fix this? Uh, I'll just get some heroin. You know, like I mean, no, you get the highest uh, form of uh, well, tobacco. Well, maybe, no, 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 maybe that was the whole the, the I, whole time. I think that might have been the whole time. time. Oh, okay. he, he just said, "I, I, he got to that from dealing yeah. with the the t- cigarettes and right. everything else, and that's what people do. They do they give themselves these powerful systems to try mm-hmm. to avoid the things they're trying to stop. Mm-hmm. And now he's got to stop that. And if you go, well, now I'm going to stop, yeah. and then he can't. Well, here's right. my other question: It's like, are all addictions made equal? I think no. no. Right. It depends what you mean by that, but well, I would say generally speaking, I think I know what you mean, and they they all trigger the same biology, right? But they have each their own natural history and different consequences. I think too, mm-hmm. like this addiction to me seems like different than if he let's say he had a sex addiction or he Correct. had a um, has no consequence on anybody addiction. except him. right. Yeah, there's no consequence, right. which to me makes it different than finding out someone was hiding a different kind of addiction, which could have issues. In a different way, true, negatively, true, for you. and she needs to like look at that. That would be an right. important series of questions to ask him. Have you ever had a problem with alcohol? Does anybody in your family have a problem with alcohol? Right, those sorts of questions. And but people are weird about cigarettes. I mean, that's like this mm-hmm. ultimately gross thing now for people to do. And so I understand why he's ashamed of it. Right, he's ashamed. Of well, it. now to take this all the way back to the beginning of the show, you said take a year off from a relationship. It's not. This isn't that. So what? Nic- nicotine is not that. So how does how does one? when in a relationship 
you just found this out. You want to help them through it. How would they, what's the best route for that? I, I agree with you. It doesn't seem like he's lying about anything else. Yeah. But this, and I understand why she would, she, she would have been telling us about all these. I, now I doubt it, wonder about this. And now I wonder about that. Right. It seems right. a little dicey over here. No, she didn't tell us that. Right. And, and I understand why her head goes that way, but yeah, I, I think we're all warning against that a yeah. little bit. Yeah. What would you be, what's the advice for her? If now you're day one with an addict. If she, mm, I don't think okay. it's bad. <laughs> he's, he's dependent. Yes. Okay. There's a difference between addiction and dependency, right? Okay. You can take. Nicotine and any human can be rendered dependent, severely right. dependent. Uh, you can take any human and put them on morphine and make them dependent. An addict is someone who starts escalating and having all kinds of consequences and goes to other things when they try to stop and then can't stop and can't stay stopped. It, it's just that nicotine is one of the ones that's tough to stop and stay stopped. It's very, very difficult, whether you're an addict or a nicotine-dependent individual. Right. The addicts, though, have more trouble stopping the nicotine, mm. typically, because they have that genetic setup where you know, that do-it-again part of the brain is more geared up for this kind of thing. So again, it's important that she asks those questions right. about her, the family background. So yeah, I mean, I think this is much more about like her figuring out, can I just like generally trust him? Because I was thinking this, is, this almost feels like more akin to like finding out that your boyfriend had an ex-wife that he never told you about. It's, it right. goes there. At least yeah. in your fantasy, it goes there, right? Right. What like he, else? He, mm. Yeah. Or just like in in sense, because it, to me, this is something that was hidden because she wouldn't like it, but mm. not necessarily because it's it's a, a marker of something so terrible that he's doing Correct. or has done. Correct. It's but, just something that someone feels ashamed of. So it's almost, well, it seems so much more about like him and his insecurities. And, and than, why didn't you tell me? Kind right. Of thing. Yes. Yes. Mm. So, I mean, my mother had a separate family and life I never knew about till I was like 55 years old. Come on. Yeah. Were you upset yeah. when you found out? Not really. I, her separate my, family? My, my feelings in relationship with her were complex. Okay. <laughs> and I had lots of therapy by that point. I was like, oh, perfect. I, like, they made like, okay, now. But I do remember as a kid thinking that there was something wrong with me, as kids always think. Like, was I adopted or something? I had this funny feeling. Like, was something? What's like, going there was on? something more to the something story. Something missing of your that I'm, of course, responsible for. I must, I must have been adopted or something, I was thinking. And it turns out she had a stepson and, uh, you know, was married for 10 years. Okay. And I called the stepson, talked to him for a while. He was a retired dentist from Stockton. And very Two doctors. Very, very Jewish woman's dream. Very. She's not Jewish. Oh, not Jewish. never mind. Uh, uh, <laughs> but she was a mess. And it, she was the fifth husband, it turned out, of a, a fifth w wife of a silent film star. Uh, who absconded from Philadelphia with her when she was 18. Oh, wow. Wow. Terrible. So she must have been ashamed of all that. Right. Say, I, we still, we never found out if my dad knew it. Don't never. Even know, don't even know. Oh, my God. Mm. My Thank sister you. was freaked out. I was not. I was like, this is this is who this woman is. You kind of knew well, this is. I mean, I think it's true. Me. Like, those things, I feel like, obviously, like, in a bubble, you tell someone something that it seems, like, shocking. But I guess when you have the context of your entire relationship with someone... Sometimes those things are like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, right. That's who that person is, <laughs> yeah. hiding things. She's always been that way, and she's never been forthcoming with anything. So, so oh there we go. God. I feel bad for her, right? I can feel empathy for her. I mean, how, the shame of divorce back in the 50s right. and right. Well, trying to hide all this weird stuff. To bring it back yeah. to the email, I yeah. guess, it's like, can you, feel, can you feel empathy for this guy who felt mm -hmm. you know, so ashamed of this thing that he felt he needed to hide it? Right. At least he doesn't have a second family. That would <laughs> 
That would be mine. <laughs> and at least, I think at least when she called him out, when she asked him what's in your pocket, yeah. he didn't dig deeper into the lie. He just said, he probably like wanted to tell her so he could stop thinking about hiding it from her. Right. I imagine I agree. as well. Because now, by the way, he's capitulating on the fact that the, a year in, he's probably not going to stop easily either. Right. And so right. Now, now he knows that too. And that's almost and like so, the first step, I yep, think. Yep. Yep. I agree. Right. So their first step in their recovery, they're on the way. Listen, I think we help these people. I think so too. Well, we That's told true. her to stay with it. Stay with we're, it. We're, we're clear on that. Let's figure this out together. Yeah. This yeah. is now you guys together. Let's figure this thing yeah. out. Work it's it's it. above him. It's it's a it's a issue, but it's not a red flag. Right. Yeah. Or deal breaker. As we deal say. breaker. Yeah, yeah. It's not yes. a deal breaker. For sure, Dr. not a deal breaker. Doctor Drew, this was fantastic. This Thank good. you. I'm glad it was good. Thank I'm you. Glad it was helpful. It's so this is cool. great. And remind everyone where they can find you, where they can find your show. The best thing is drdrew.com. I still have a, I still do with Adam Carolla three days a week. He and I are still doing I pods. I have a, my own podcast there as well, which is more sort of science-y based. Then I do that streaming show at drdrew.tv. Um, check it out if you're at all interested in all things. Really sort of cr the craziness of the last three years and particularly people that have been silenced in social media. I, I immediately instinctively want to go interview them and I've learned something from every one of them. And then finally After Dark, which we have done, which is at a blast. house. It's a, it's sort of, that's yeah. the more love liney type show that, that's, and we now we're, were we taking calls at the time? We took you? some calls. Yeah, we we, calls also. It was a lot of fun. I, I don't think it's come out yet. Is that is right? It, it's yeah. Still, I, I think it's still, he's like, we can that. Right. Episode. Yeah. We <laughs> threw that no, one away. No, no, I thought no, I did something I, wrong. <laughs> well, there's that, but, but I know I have to get way ahead because it's in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And I live in Southern California. Oh, well, okay. I have to go there and do a bunch of you them. Do it there. I got it. Yeah. It was a blast. I, I really enjoyed it. It must be coming up soon. If not, I thought for sure, especially as a fan, it's just such a cool thing to you know to meet you and uh, be able to like shoot the shit and it was great. We had this a great time. Is, yeah, this yeah. is fantastic. This so. is awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure, guys. We'll be back on Wednesday. Boom. The You Up podcast is produced by Sean Kilby, Maddie Paul, and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Maddie Paul. Be sure to follow at you.up.podcast on Instagram and send us your emails to uup at betches.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton only on Netflix, May 16th. Batches.